This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. Today on the program, we're going to take a culinary journey around the world. Everything from pasta dishes that call Italy home to the aesthetically pleasing sushi of Japan. We'll also talk with Chef Godfrey from Jackson State University about his Jamaican influence in the kitchen. And we want to know what your favorite international dish is. So join our conversation this morning with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 Or you can send an email to food at mpbonline.org. You're listening to Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. So good morning, Deborah. Hope that you had a good weekend. Good morning, Kevin. I had an amazing weekend, and I'm really super happy today because I get to see you. I missed you so much last week. My weekend uh, was exciting because my grandbaby's been gone for the entire summer, and she came home yesterday, Kevin. And it was just such an emotional moment. She's gotten taller, <laughs> and uh, it just looked like she matured over the summer. So I'm a happy granny. <laughs> it's amazing how fast the, they grow up, you know, oh you, you, especially over a long summer. That's uh, a good good to have them home, though, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it was like talking to her every day was one thing. But when I, I she opened the door and I got to see her, and then I did this. I looked up, and I went, whoa. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. All right, so um, I don't know what I did to deserve it this morning, but you brought in your world-famous, unbeatable uh, sweet potato pie and uh, another pie. So tell us about what you brought in for us today. Well, you know what, Kevin? See, I was just trying to make sure that, you know, my man don't leave home and don't come back. (laughs) Last week you left me, and I was feeling so kind of weird. (laughs) See, I was like, look, let me get in the kitchen and make him happy. So I brought you sweet potato pie, and I brought you... Uh, a wonderful addition to what we're developing at Cooking with Honey and Friends, and that is my pecan pie. It's very good, and uh, I'll say uh, I haven't had the sweet potato pie yet, but I think the crust is the same. The, the crust is absolutely delicious, and I love the the edges. It looks like it's almost uh, like two layers of dough. Tell us about how you did the crust. Well, you know, Kevin, um, it, I guess it's just kind of the the creativity and artist in me wanting to make sure that aesthetics is really, you know, beautiful. But it's as simple as taking a cookie cutter and once you uh, place your, uh, you know, dough onto your pan and you edge it out, just take a cookie cookie cutter and create designs. You can use a fork, you can use a knife, you can use a spoon so that that pie crust really does have a really beautiful aesthetics when you're finished. And of course, um, a lot of times when I'm eating pie and I'm eating it out, sometimes the pie crust is what I like to call unfinished. Uh, and you'll find people will eat the feeling out of pie crust and they're not eat, enjoying the entire crust. And I don't ever want people to have that experience. So literally, you can break this crust off because uh, there's a little secret and uh, and you can eat it just like it's uh, it's a second dessert because it's super yummy. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I I think if you're if you're eating a pie and not eating the crust, you're you're missing half of the fun. And 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 again, what a what a great way to, um, as you said, use your creativity in the kitchen and and uh, you know the presentation as we've often often talked about is 
is, you know, in part of the whole enjoyment of food. And so it's a great way to, you know, experiment in the kitchen and, and let your, uh, your artistic side show through. Yay. <laughs> Um, so the, uh, the pecan pie is really good and it's, um, the, the filling feels a little bit different texture. Well, well, normally, especially with a traditional Southern pecan pie, you kind of have almost, um, a gelatin, Mm -hmm. syrupy kind of feeling. And I don't really care for that. That's just, I wanted something a little bit, um, more firm that you can slice, but still have that really wonderful, you know, bite and it's not overly sweet. And so this recipe is actually in our cookbook, Kevin. So if anybody's interested, uh, it is um, Honey's Pecan Pie and it's really, really yummy. All right. Uh, now, I know that uh, the sweet potato pie is a closely guarded family secret. Yeah, because my mom is listening this morning, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ma. Is there is there anything... You could tell us about it, the preparation, the, the, the hints, anything that would, would help folks but wouldn't give away too many family secrets. Um, well, I think one of the things that um, traditionally with sweet potato pie, one of the spices that are traditionally used is cinnamon. And that's I can say that that is not present in this pie at all. I can say that much. Okay. <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, I love the taste, and I know. I mean, you you baked pies for me, and I, I take them home, and they disappear in in a matter of days. Uh, but the color is so it's such a bright orange, uh, and that's I think again as we talked about, you know, the the aesthetic part of the thing. Uh, to me, it's just pleasing taste, but also I love the the vibrant color of it. Well, of course, Vardam in Mississippi is the sweet potato capital of the world. Some of the best sweet potatoes that you're going to ever find come from Vardam in Mississippi. And I try to always use that variety. One of the things that you can do, you know, before you start preparing a pie, if you've got potatoes, you want to slice it and just kind of bite it, you know, and you'll find some potatoes have almost kind of a a sweet peppery kind of taste. Some are milder, some are stronger. And then you have to decide which variety, you know, works best for you. But I kind of like the idea that the, the sweet potato from Vardaman almost has just kind of a hint of peppery in the background. Like when you taste it, it's a real mild taste on the palate. And then you get that hint of natural sweetness. And so it just makes for a perfect uh, pie potato. And I think that's an, <clears throat> another thing that it's good about um, when, uh, food that is really good. Or, as you say, it's sometimes just just a hint of a flavor, and as you say, almost taste it in the back of your mouth, and it adds just to you know the overall taste sensation to kind of pick out those little micro flavors, maybe we could call them. You know, and it's really funny because there, are, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about international flavors today, but a lot of spices, Kevin, really do excite the brain. They can raise your body temperature. They can cause this excitement in your eyes. And all those things should be found in your fa- flavor palette when you're in the kitchen cooking, whether you're doing something sweet or savory, you want to be able to create that experience that just kind of wakes up the brain as well as the, the palate. So we've got two very traditional Southern pies uh, to talk about today. But uh, as Deborah mentioned, we are uh, expanding our horizons for the day and taking a culinary journey around the world. We always want to hear from you. So if you have a, a favorite dish that has international origins, uh, call us up and let us know. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 
672-7464. You can always email the show as well. It's food at mpbonline.org. One more thing about the uh, sweet potatoes before we get off that. <clears throat> Again, and not just for pies, but uh, maybe for baking, or um, I always like to, um, what's the, uh, not broil, but bake in the oven. Um, you know, slice up and and uh, roast. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, what would be some tips on picking out a good sweet potato? Well, the the one of the things that I look for when I'm picking up a potato is I want to make sure that it's not a lot of veins visible in the potato itself, uh, because sometimes that can represent that it, the potato is too stringy. You don't want a, a potato that's got a lot of bruises on it, you know, the dark spots. You want to look for something with a really smooth skin on it. Uh, the shape doesn't have to be perfect. A lot of times when you find uh, grocery store varieties, they're um, marketed, you know, for certain size, weights, and, and that kind of thing. I just like, you know, going to the farm. My cousin raises uh, potatoes and being able to pick up varieties. But you, And then you don't want them, for me, I don't want them to be too big. Because sometimes if they get too big, there's a, even though when you're making pies and, and baking them, you can re- reduce the harshness in them. But it's just a lot easier to cook a medium potato is just always a small to medium potato is kind of where I usually try to stay. Yeah, I think uh, when I look for potatoes, I kind of use the palm of my hand as a guide. And if it fits kind of comfortably in the palm of your hand, that that's probably about the right size that, that you need. All right, so we're going to be talking about international foods this morning. Uh, Any ones that uh, come to mind, international dishes that that you uh, either enjoy eating or have maybe uh, taken a stab at in the kitchen and and prepared? Well, Kevin, you know... I'm I'm a foodie, so I just like food. Period. But it's really it was really amazing to me as I was um, just kind of doing a little bit of research that uh, Mexican cuisine is one of the number one um, U.S. favorites, mm-hmm. along with Chinese, Italian, Spanish, and French dishes, Japanese dishes, and then Turkey dishes kind of fall into that that order. But for me, I like Jamaican foods, Caribbean kind of dishes. Uh, even some African dishes, you know, they they represent a lot of spices, mm-hmm. and I and you know, and of course, you know, I like a little heat. Mm-hmm. So to be able to find any dish, you know, and you can find them even in Asian dishes where you can find, you know, just that comfortable amount of heat, even in some Indian dishes. So I kind of like to stay in. It, and as long as it's good food, Kevin, it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> you know, when I think that you said the, the spices, and, and I think about that, I, I think gumbo, because again, you know, we've talked about that gumbo means, you know, kind of everything in there, but boy, what a, what a, what a, uh, just a lovely uh, bo- burst yeah. of flavor uh, that you get when you, um, when you have gumbo. Um, we're going to take a break, but I think we've got a call coming in, so I think we might want to get to those before we do. Uh, uh, what about uh, an American for the. <laughs> The funny thing was, I saw this on the script, and the first thing that came to my mind was American cheese, <laughs> which is, you know, I love American cheese, but there are, I, I guess the hamburger w- would be considered, or, or was it, um, one of them, if I remember correctly, was invented at the World's Fair in St. Louis. Maybe that's the hot dog I'm thinking of, but when you think American food, what, what comes to your mind? French fries. There you go. Yeah, French fries are not French. That's <laughs> right. It's truly an American uh, dish, and it's one of my favorite dishes is to be able to have a nice plate of crispy French fries with just the right amount of salt and pepper and some ketchup. So that's one of my favorite American pastimes. I'm not sure it's still there, but years ago, my, my brother's lived in New York City for, for many, many years. And years ago when I went to visit him, there used to be a place in New York City that was French fries only. 
So they had like it was you know just walls wall to wall fryers, and you could every every possible ketchup alternative. Yeah, you could imagine. (laughs) It was I mean you get this huge thing of French fries, and again whatever you want to dip them in. So that was uh, wonderful and. I've often said if if health if if French fries were health food, I would be Mr. Atlas because <laughs> I love French fries, and much to my chagrin, I you know it's, they're not the most healthy thing in the world, but boy, are they tasty. So the best French fry um, plate that I've had, uh, a friend of mine who's a chef, uh, he does French fries and then he layers them with this crawfish and shrimp sauce, and it's mm-hmm. a cheesy. Spicy, cheesy sauce with it's loaded with crawfish and jalapenos and shrimp, green onions. Oh, just fantastic! You know, much like a, a loaded potato, the French fry is a great basis for pouring lots of good stuff on top <laughs> of it as well. Our buddy Timothy's on the line from Louisiana this morning. Good morning, Timothy. Hey, Tim. Good morning, y'all. What do you have for Hope us? You had a good weekend. We did indeed. Um, well, here's my favorite Jamaican thing that I make at home. That's Jamaican ginger ale. Oh, do now, tell. The Jamaicans use airborne yeast to, to get theirs, but I use turbo yeast, and which makes it in three days I got uh, 40 proof ginger ale. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and it's really super simple. I mean, it's just 18 pounds of sugar, um, a couple of uh, horns of uh, of uh, ginger, you know, or you can get ginger paste from the Indian store, you know, and uh, boil it up, let it cool, add the yeast, wait, you know, simple as that. And did you say this is 40 proof? <laughs> and other thing I like to do is one of the reasons I come to Mississippi is to Jackson. In North Jackson, there's an Arab, an Arabic place called... Uh, Aladdin, Aladdin. Yep. You know, and behind there's a little grocery store connected to the business, mm-hmm. and they have spices there. You know, and I make chicken shawarma at home. Oh boy, that's good stuff. And, uh, you know, so you know, I would encourage people to visit those folks. The food in the restaurant is most excellent. You know. Yes, it is. All right, uh, Timothy. And- Good to hear from yep. you. Uh, I, I, right. We totally agree with you on Aladdin's. That's a, a great place to eat. And also, as you mentioned, I think because it is kind of tucked away behind there, not a lot of folks realize that there is that grocery store there. So if you're experimenting and want to try uh, Mediterranean flavors and tastes, that would be a good uh, so a place to start. And I'm sure they'd be very helpful uh, to help you understand you know, what you need to get. <clears throat> Time for our first break. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion on international cuisine. We'll be talking with Chef Godfrey, the executive chef at Jackson State University. Being a native of Jamaica, he talks about bringing his roots wherever he cooks and how he takes pride in not only taste, but presentation. Back with more after this. Deep South Dining, I'm Java Chapman, producer Java Chapman, here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. And we want to welcome back to the program Chef Godfrey Morgan. He's the executive chef for Jackson State University. He also has his own catering outfit, Godfrey's Catering. And most recently, he was working as the food producer, hope I'm not speaking out of turn, on the TV show Butter and Brown. You're busy, man. Yep, yep, yep. God, I've been good. And, you know, I've definitely got the opportunity to see behind the scene how the 
you know, to the food shows and everything. And me, myself, being the food producer, which um, G. Garvin, you know, we have known each other for a little while. Chef G. Garvin. Chef, Chef G. Garvin, Garvin yeah. yes. And he, he asked me if I would, he would love for me to be his food producer for his show, um, Butter and Brown. And the rest was history. I think that is such a fantastic combination. Well, can I say this on air? I think it's such a sexy combination. Two of my favorite chefs. They're both very talented, good-looking men. And I had the chance to hang out with both of them at Jackson State, I think about a year ago. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. so I'm just, like, really excited to have a chef in the studio today. But I just think that's just super fantastic. It the, is. Can you imagine that, Java? Butter and brown. Yeah, I saw I saw some uh, clips of the show, and um, it, it's really good. I was wondering what all, I guess, entails as the food producer, uh, because you're not in front of the camera. No. Do all the work behind the camera. The thing is to make everyone on the stage, that food on the stage, look good. <laughs> in every cut and shift, you know, we behind the scene... Um, Actually recreating the same dish what's on the stage, you know, to make sure that um, TV quality is there. You know, so if they're missing a thing on TV, we got to work and refix it behind the stage, make sure the team have it ready like that. And that's one of the things that um, we talk about, um, Goffrey, is food presentation and, you know, how important it is not just for food to taste good, but it's that first visual appearance, what it looks like, you know, because people eat with their eyes first. And so to know that you have put so much time and effort, and my word for you is always integrity in what you do. It's a beautiful thing to watch. And, of course, you know, I do the Jamaican accent all the time, so I'm like in hog heaven right now. What's up, Juan? (laughs) Buckman. I'm just like in hog heaven right now. So, listen, talk to me a little bit about your cooking style. Like, what are some of your first memories in the kitchen? First memories in the kitchen, of course, is with my grandmother. Uh-huh. You know, um, she was a chef, and uh, my mother, uh, she's not a chef. She's a nurse, but she's a really fantastic cook. So watching them in the kitchen, I'll jump on in, trying to help stir the pot, taste the pot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where everything starts from for me, the way it smells, the way they Put it out, the, the fresh herbs that they use. I don't believe in using, you know, a lot of dry seeds. We use a lot of fresh season. And we grow in the garden. So everything there for me start from there. Fantastic. Yeah. So how difficult is it being in a Jamaican's mother's kitchen? Because I have a few friends who are Jamaican, and they're very serious about their cooking. This is not a place to play. Oh, yeah. You will get cursed out in art. <laughs> <laughs> It's a lot of Mississippi kitchens like that, too. Oh, my God. My kitchen is like that. This is, you know, it's a, it's a pretty tough place to be yeah. in. But Jamaican women, in particularly, are very serious about, you know, how you stir the pot, what's going mm-hmm. on in the kitchen. Don't play with my food. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. It really is. It, it is. But, I, you know, for me, it helped to, to structure me, to really to prepare me for the world. You know, me coming to Mississippi, I didn't know not much about uh, soul food, but certain steps are actually the same. 
God's soul is from the heart. Oh, you know, like so that. certain step is the same. So for me to catch on to incorporating soul food into Caribbean food, it was really quite easy for me. And then I was working at the hotel in the Caribbean. So we do Italian, um, Chinese, ever so I incorporate everything for me to create the person you see right now as Godfrey, Chef Godfrey, to create an eclectic style. So that's what I'm all about with my catering business, with everything that I do at Jackson State, and cooking at home. <laughs> well, I think you would really have to say that soul food is just that it is a collected uh, unit of foods from many cultures, and it's brought together. Yes. Uh, you know, so when you look at soul food, you are looking at, you know, at French, and you're looking at Italian, and you are looking at African, you know, influences. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, and I think that's why the world loves soul food so much, because it embodies who the world is. But it's like you said, it comes from the soul. Yeah. Definitely. Even the Creole food. To me, Creole food is a part of the soul food because, you know, we actually use so many variations of it into the, the southern dish that we cook here. You know? So how much of a higher standard do people have from you, for you, because you are, you know, Jamaican and you, mm -hmm. you are a Caribbean cook? So do people hold you to a higher standard than they would someone that's a non-Jamaican trying to cook jerk chicken? Especially with this curry goat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look who's getting in on the egg. <laughs> I'll tell you this, it's, pretty, it's a pretty high standard, and I try to set that for myself, too. So whenever, like, somebody requests, like, a Caribbean cuisine from me, you know, uh, curry goat, jerk chicken, escovitch fish, I'm always trying to make sure the same way I taste it back home, the same way it look, that's the way I'm putting it out with, putting my flair and my spin on it, you know, to give it that... That Chef Godfrey look. <laughs> so, if you've never actually seen uh, Chef Godfrey in action, it's really beautiful to see uh, because I've come to a couple of events that you've done at Jackson State, nice. but to see how well coordinated the staff is and how beautiful everything is. It is like, uh, um, the chef is slightly OCD, <laughs> which is a yes. beautiful thing in presentation from, you know, the table linens to the flowers on the table to the mm -hmm. carvings that you do, yes. which are works of magnificent art. So talk to us a little bit. How did you get into carving? You know, it, it happened at, um, I used to work for Sandals Resorts in Jamaica. And... Uh, a couple of the chefs in there, we used they used to enter the, uh, a cooking competition to represent Jamaica, and I always wanted to do it. So my executive chef, I was just like the kitchen helper at that time. So the executive chef said to me, "If you can carve something out of this pumpkin and this potato, I will make you start to train to come on the culinary team that represents Jamaica." Oh wow. So for about a year straight, I've been carving, carving, trying different stuff, just carving my little art away. And one day I take a cube of pumpkin and I carve it out to make it look like a miniature pumpkin. Oh, wow. And it looks so identical to the large pumpkin that you have sitting beside me. It's like, wow. That show that you have hidden skills that you yourself not even know about. And ever since then, it continued. And then when I was working, um, I moved from there and I went to this resort called Beach Beaches Grand Sport. 
And that's when everything really come alive for me with the carving world. And I just started to try different things. And eventually, I entered to represent Jamaica, and I become I get third place. Wow. So that was pretty fantastic for me. It was a milestone for me in my career that told me that, you know what, it's what I love to do. And at the same time, it is showing me that it loved me too. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that beautiful thing. Yeah. So give me some tips for a novice who wants to carve. Mm-hmm. As far as for a carving yes. to put on it? Um, Let's say you want to make a, a turkey out of a pumpkin. <laughs> you want to... But no, no, I, I mean, we all, we're all laughing, but um, right. we're going to post some pictures on the, on the uh, website, mpbonline.org. Mm-hmm. But Chef Godfrey has done uh, flowers. Mm-hmm. He's done different animals from the JSU tiger to mm-hmm. swans, uh, words, emblems, and even... LeBron James, Bob Marley, <laughs> yes. all kind of uh, things. So if I wanted to m- put my turkey out of my pumpkin, mm-hmm. what what are some tips? You got to see it in your head. You, know, you probably have to, to put it on paper just to see it look. Uh, with the fruit world or the veg world with carving, not because it looked good on paper, it doesn't mean it's going to look good on fruit. Right. So you got to take a good look and, you know, if it match it up, is it going to blend well. With that particular uh, fruit that you're choosing or vegetable that exactly. you're choosing. Exactly. Okay. So every time before a carve, and believe this, it's so weird. Every time before I carve something, I've done thousands of watermelon carving, veg carving, and I get nervous each time because <laughs> you can't mess it up. If you mess up one part of it, it's up. It's you got to start over. At least for me, because I take so much pride in what I do. You know, uh, a lot of times people order watermelon. I like to, when they order it, I like to come to wherever they're at and set it up myself. Become like, uh-uh, you got to represent it right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to make sure that it get all the love and the glory that it deserves or how they need to treat it. So with carving right there, a lot you don't have to go as difficult with the kind of things to do. You know, go something that, you know, if I said, wow, I would love to put a swan are maybe just a simple flowers there on it. You know, you see a flowers that you like and practice. Which I'll be coming out pretty soon with it's it's called uh Cooking with Godfrey. Cooking ah. with Chef Godfrey. And we'll be doing carving, uh doing a little cooking and of course we're gonna be doing a little drinking. So I'm definitely looking forward to that to make, you know, not only Mississippi but Louisiana and more surrounding area see you know, see what I can do and what I bring to the table. And at the same time, open that I could help fellow chefs, you know, not to take more pride with cooking. You know, just like you, Deb, I look at what you post. Wow. Um, that pecan pie. Every time I see that pecan pie that you post, <laughs> I'm like, mm. Mm, mm. You can smell it through the through oh, yeah. the screen. Smell a vision. I really appreciate that because um, when I think about uh, you and some of my other fellow chefs that are doing extremely well, the thing that I um, admire and that I learn from you guys is that presentation is your signature. So when I see your carvings, I know that they are your carvings. Yes. I've seen other carvings, and then I say, that's not Chef Godfrey. <laughs> and so, but it is uh, learning to take a great sense of integrity in everything that you yes. do, and I'm still yeah. learning that. I, You know, the fact that I'm not a 
culinary trained chef. Mm-hmm. It is an honor to be in your presence and in the presence of people like Nick Wallace, yeah. who are out in the world doing these amazing things. And then you guys are kind enough, you know, to lend me your professional advice. Yes. Uh, and it's it's just really beautiful, and I really appreciate that. Wow, love that. Yeah. Thank you. So we want to thank you, Chef Godfrey, for uh, coming in today. Chef Godfrey Morgan, executive chef for Jackson State University, the uh, catering uh, outfit, Godfrey's Catering. Can people follow you on social media? Yes, 100%. On Facebook, typing Godfrey Morgan, and they see that big smile coming up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got um, to my uh, website. It's called GodfreyScatering.com. You can go on there and check out different things. Oh, that's that's okay. that's great. Also, uh, this is a re- recorded uh, interview, so we got to hold you to a Monday morning, and you got to bring something in because we, lo- we love to eat on our show. Oh, I'm totally <laughs> cool with that. I hope you guys are ready when I bring it. Though. Because you're going to bring the fire. I'm going to bring the fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, time for another break, but when we get back, we'll discuss some traditional dishes from around the world. And for those well-traveled listeners, can you guess where this dish has its origins? Black Forest ham. We'll give you the answer after the break. Also, we're looking for your phone calls this morning. Join the conversation by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 We'll be back with more after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We're touring the world today talking about international foods, wanting to know uh, what your favorite international cuisine is. Give us a call. We've got some open phone lines. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 So before the break, we asked if you knew where Black Forest ham comes from. Uh, here in the U.S., many hams are labeled and sold as Black Forest ham, but traditional Black Forest ham is from the Black Forest region in Germany. Inside the European Union, you can't label it Black Forest unless it comes from that part of Germany. Uh, but in the U.S., we're a little bit uh, uh, less uh, um, picky about things, and you can actually call it that. And the funny thing was, uh, De- Deborah and I were chatting uh, during the interview there during the break. When we think Black Forest, both of us think of Black, Black Forest, Forest cake, cake. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, is a chocolate cake with uh, a cherry filling and lots of good stuff, usually uh, some sort of uh, whipped cream on there as well. It's uh, based on the German dessert Schwarzwalter Kirschtorte. Your German is, um, Thank you. is quite impressive. I used to live there, so that's where I, why I knew that the Black Forest was in southern Germany. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention, and that is when we talked about ham, again, we were chatting during the break, and we're trying to come up with some things. Uh, one of my favorite things to do with ham, and it kind of fits into our uh, international cuisine show, and that is a Cuban sandwich, Yeah, yeah. which uh, normally is um, Cuban bread, ham, roasted pork, Swiss cheese, pickles, and mustard. I'm sold. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's a, one, one of my favorites, and yeah... Um, I, you know, I really am a big fan of pork as well. So when you put pork and ham together and then, you know, get the cheese in there and the mustard, uh, you got a good sandwich going on. 
We've got some calls to get to. Let's uh, start in Osaka. Our friend Kathleen is on the line. Good morning, Kathleen. Hey, Kathleen. Well, good morning, guys. Um, I have a quick tip that someone called your show last week on. They wanted to work with those um, jalapeno ghost peppers, and they were worried about how to get it in and out of the soup. They can use a tea infuser. It's like a little metal ball that you can unscrew, mm-hmm. put whatever herbs or bay leaf or something you don't want to stay in the soup, and then they can take it out, and it's, you don't have to touch it or worry about your hands getting all that uh, heat. And um, I have a question. That w- I have a friend. She is not from here, and uh, she traveled with me one time to New Orleans to see the Jazz Festival had never seen or tasted a crawfish before. It was amazing, the face and the contortion she made right before she said, are you going to eat that? I went, yum. (laughs) (laughs) So it was an experience for her, but it was also an experience for me to see what she actually thought. She goes, and how do you eat this? You know, (laughs) I said, you take this apart, you suck. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting that in my mouth. But before the, before she left, she was actually, I told her, I converted her to be in a cage and loved every minute of it. <laughs> uh, well, I hope you enjoy your show and enjoy not only the food, but the food that you see through other people's eyes. It brings all right. us all closer together. All Thank right. you so Thank much. You. Thanks, Kathleen. Good to hear from you. Uh, let's move on next. We've got uh, Jesse from Mobile. Good morning, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. Hey, how's it going? Good. Fantastic. Go ahead. Yeah, speaking to your Jamaican chef, we stayed at the beaches runaway bay. And being Americans in a foreign country, your body has to get used to having fresh food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm-hmm. It takes about two days for your body to realize there's no preservatives in this. Everything is literally caught out there in the Caribbean or grown behind us on the resort. Once your body gets used to having fresh food, it takes you two more days. Once you get back to the safe, everybody go, what happened? <laughs> that That is such a huge statement. You know, that's such a broad conversation when you think about what he just said, you know. Uh, to use the term fresh foods outside of the U.S. as a standard. And that's something that I'm really excited about with so many farm-to-table movements across the country because that should be a standard for us, you know, the, yeah. to be able to have fresh fish, fruits, and vegetables in the richest country in the world. And so, just, and in Jamaica, they have a breadfruit, which I don't know if he mentioned during his conversation, but it looks like a large cantaloupe growing on a tree. Mm-hmm. When it falls off the tree, it's ripe. Well, that's can't screw that up. <laughs> if you bake it, you get one flavor. If you boil it, you get another flavor. If you fry it, you get a third different flavor. Hmm. That's yeah. it. wrapping your head around. But <laughs> as they say, God is good. <laughs> that uh, yeah, could you imagine the the fun chefs have that with that with it's uh, you know d- depending on how you prepare it, you've got a different flavor profile. So that would really excite I think anybody who likes being in the kitchen. Yes. 
All right. right. Keep up the good work. All right, Jesse. Thank good. You, Thanks. Jesse. Uh, glad to hear from you. <clears throat> and let me echo what, what you were saying, Deborah. And I think that, <clears throat> you know, Jesse mentioned that fresh food. And again, I'm kind of encouraged by uh, the network of uh, farmers markets that have been growing up around Mississippi. I know, I think uh, even in, in Pearl, I think we have a, a one that's been uh, open for not too long, but uh, is there. But that's, again, a good way to get uh, some fresh fruit uh, and vegetables uh, into your into your cooking, into your diet. And again, I would say that uh, if you ever go to one, you know, engage the farmers, t- talk to them about maybe uh, helping pick out which uh, which produce you like, or maybe possibly even <clears throat> asking for some suggestions on how to prepare it. Because that's, you know, that's their livelihood. That's what they're there for. And, and, and they love, I think, to spread the word about the, whatever, you know, produce they're, they're producing. Absolutely, Kevin. And for, you know, and there are uh, farmers markets, of course, located almost in every county, everywhere in the state of Mississippi. And if you can't afford those fresh fruits and vegetables, I'm very grateful for organizations like the Food uh, Network of Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's one of the things that they uh, work very diligently to make sure that families have exposure to fresh fruits and vegetables, along with the Society of St. Andrews, mm-hmm. to whom I've partnered with, uh, to make sure that families have those items readily accessible to them once they come from the farm. They're straight to the table. You don't have to worry about uh you know, extra preservatives and uh, waxes and dyes and all the kind of stuff. It really is. And there's a difference. You can taste a difference in a fresh farm raised egg versus one that's been processed in a huge processing plant. Even when I'm cooking, uh, baking cakes and that kind of thing, you can tell a difference in the final, you know, taste and texture of any product. So try to expose your family to as much uh, fresh cooking, and that's one of the things that I love about authentic international cuisines, whether it's something Mediterranean or Jamaican or even Italian, to be able to take, you know, those straight from the garden kinds of items, you know, and to be able to pre- prepare them. The thing I love about Southern cooking is true Southern chefs really do go from farm to table, you know, your fresh greens, your beans, your tomatoes. And it was traditional for us here in Mississippi. And of course, society is changing and everybody's getting away from farming and gardening. They had been, we're going back to that, but it's being able to go out in your garden and to eat what was seasonal, you know, and it was fresh and we didn't have as many health issues. And that's something else for us to, you know, kind of think about long term. You know, when you're thinking about raising your children, you really want to give them this in their future to have these conversations, to show them how to grow things, because the world is changing very fast right before our eyes. And also, I think if you expose your kids to fresh fruits and vegetables while growing up, you know, a lot of p- people get to be adults and they're like, oh, I don't like that, or, you know, or don't have a background of having cultivated tastes for some of these uh, fruits and vegetables. And I think you'll be doing your kids a favor in the long run if you kind of introduce them to them. Again, you know, I don't think every kid is going to immediately take to every vegetable you serve to them as much like an adult wouldn't. But I think, again, if you can kind of begin to cultivate their palate, that they'll appreciate it later as they get older. Yeah, yeah. You got to teach them that the uh, cup of fruit that they get at the drive-thru is not fresh fruits (laughs) and vegetables, Kevin. You really have to... You know, train and and the beautiful thing about children, children will really emulate what we do. If we make fresh fruits and vegetables, like you know, when uh, Dakota, you know, when she comes home, there's a bowl of you know fresh uh, apples and grapes and you know bananas right there for her to grab. Her mom will not allow sodas in the house, and so it's not an expectation of hers when she gets home. She doesn't have a choice, mm-hmm. and so. 
there you have it. Uh, we got another call on the line. It's our buddy Frank and Jackson. Frank, good to hear from you. Hey, Frank. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good today hearing my favorite people talk to each other so kindly. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see much of that anymore in this country. <laughs> well, as long as uh, Deborah keeps giving me that uh, sweet potato pie, she's number one on my list, that's for sure. <laughs> I want to be on that list, too. <laughs> if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down swinging. <laughs> uh, three things. Number one, you mentioned American cheese. Mm-hmm. Kraft has changed the formulation of American cheese. It's not as firm as it used to be. It'll melt from the heat in your hand. I don't know what they've done, but uh, they've changed the formulation. Number two, did your previous caller say jackfruit or breadfruit? Breadfruit. breadfruit. Okay, well, jackfruit is, I guess, is similar. It has the texture of, uh, of, uh, of beef. It really does. And if you didn't tell somebody it was a vegetable, they wouldn't know the difference. My favorite food is Thai food because... It has not been Americanized yet. The Chinese food you generally get mm-hmm. has been very, very much Americanized. Uh, if, a, if an American went down to Chinatown in San Francisco or uh, New York and got authentic Chinese food, they, couldn't, they wouldn't be able to, 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 to eat it because it is, has such a distinctive, strong flavors. But Thai food has not yet been Americanized, and it's such a light food, and they do wonderful things with tofu. All right. Absolutely. All right, Frank, good to hear from you. Yeah, Thai food I enjoy, and what I like is that they'll temper the heat for you. Uh, I know, you know, I like food, and as you know from, uh, we've talked on this show before, I'm not, I like spicy, but I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to that. So the fact that in most Thai restaurants you can kind of dial it up to like a five or, you know, down to a number one or two, uh, I really enjoy that because the the flavors are are so really good. Well, Frank made another valid point um, about most foods being westernized that we call authentic foods, and the reality is is that um, unless you know you're spending a lot of time traveling and um, uh, understanding cultural diversity, a lot of the meals that we even say are authentic really truly are not. They they've been developed to um, an American taste mm-hmm. palate. And so that's another reason why I would encourage people to step outside of your own community, to travel, uh, you know, to uh, go to festivals so that you can really then really understand what a true bite of food is. And a lot of times once you have that real bite, for me, it's disappointing then to come back and eat something that we've said is authentic and then it's not. So true. All right, time for our last break. Uh, We're going to talk about, uh, we've been talking about international food today. So when we come back, we're going to tell you how at home you can add a little international flair to your weekday meals. Also, what's the most popular food in the world? We'll have that answer for you when we come back. Still time to work in a phone call. If you want to call in, it's 1-877-MPB-RING. The phone number is 1-877-672-7464. We'll be back with more after this. MPBOnline.org is the destination for everything Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Catch up on past shows from Think Radio, check out MPB TV or Music Radio, and become a sustaining member all from one place. Get connected now at MPBOnline.org. Welcome back. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Deborah Hunter from Cooking with Honey and Friends. We've been traveling around the world today talking about international flavors and foods. And before the break, we posed the question, what is the most popular food in the world? Well, Oxfam International surveyed 16,000 people in 17 different countries and came up with pasta as being the most popular uh, dish in the world. Yay! <laughs> and again, I think you could uh, you could probably guess that based on 
you know, when we talk about pasta, just the many, many different varieties of pasta down the little little tiny pastas to the big, thick uh, lasagna noodles. You know, it's just just a wide variety of stuff, and it really lends itself well to sort of being a base that you can then add on flavors to. In almost any dish anywhere in the world, pasta is, like you said, it's that add-on addition to whether you're preparing a bowl of soup or uh, you've got, you know, a dumpling-type pasta. It's, it's just an amazing bite, and it's quick, it's easy. And, and you, like you said, it's done in many different varieties, uh, whether it's done from a vegetable base or from a flour base. Absolutely. Uh, followed on the list were chicken and rice, which is the most eaten food in the world. And again, I think you can understand that. But, uh, you know, I, that, that would help. I, I, I don't have any problems there. Pasta, chicken, <laughs> and rice, I think I can handle that. So, And if you <clears> notice, <throat> all of those are comfort foods. And so in the world, when we're eating, a lot of times the, the, the idea is to bring the family around the table and breakfast lunch or dinner is those moments of thanksgiving and comfort is what we're looking for when we eat and because god is so brilliantly smart and he wanted to keep us connected i was saying during the break heaven there's no reason for us to ever be bored when we're eating food because there are so many fantastic varieties uh, of bites of food from every culture around the world it's just an amazing experience to sit down you don't have to fix the same meal every day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in our script today, Java found something from National Ge- Geographic, a food journey of a lifetime. And it talks about a little bit of uh, some different sorts of international foods. There are a couple on the list I wanted to mention. First of all, we, we talked about hamburgers. And although the origin of the hamburger is disputed, we as Americans are going to claim that. <laughs> and uh, I'm a big fan of a hamburger. We and claim everything. <laughs> <laughs> so much stop, <laughs> toppings and different things that you can put on a hamburger. Uh, but that that is obviously one of my favorites. And I'm glad we're going to claim it here as an American food. Um, another one, uh, Timothy mentioned a Mediterranean uh, cuisine and a kibbe, uh, which is uh, ground lamb, uh, a bulgur and seasonings, and it's wrapped up in a a patty, baked, uh, boiled, or stuffed. Uh, but uh, those are always good. Uh, I've gotten those at, at, at many uh, Mediterranean restaurants, which in the Jackson area, I'm surprised we have a, a quite a number of of Greek or Mediterranean places uh, in in this area. So uh, lots of different things to choose from. Uh, Wiener schnitzel is from Austria, although I had it when uh, I lived in Germany uh, in middle school when my dad was in the Air Force. Uh, that's uh, it's a um, it's a veal cutlet, uh, you know, thin, thin veal cut with a nice um, breading on it. Uh, and the other one on the list was Yorkshire pudding, which I've never had, but I think I've seen pictures of it, and I think I'll pass on that. <laughs> I was just about to ask you that. <laughs> although roast beef, I'll go for. I'll, I'll pass on the Yorkshire pudding, though. So, although you know, uh, I, again, I would also say if you. Uh, if you're talking about international food, sometimes you do have to leave behind the, ooh, I don't know about that, and just go for it. And, you know, usually maybe a spoonful of something's not going to hurt you. But <clears throat> You know, it was kind of what Kathleen was saying earlier. If you don't try it, you don't know. And a lot of times because we have, you know, you've been eating the same way for most of your life, stepping outside of the box can be a little interesting. But I say try it at least three times. The first time you may not be sure, <laughs> the second time to be sure that you're sure, <laughs> and the third time you really just might find out that you really like a dish. And so, um, and and you'll be surprised that um, even with 
choosing um, basic spices. You know, when you go to uh, most uh, southern kitchens, what you'll find is like salt and pepper, maybe some garlic pepper powder and onion powder and those kinds of, you know, dry spices. But to be able to spice up just your basic dishes by going ahead and adding other things, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some Indian spices, some Mediterranean spices, some Caribbean spices to your cabinet can take those basic food uh, staples and turn them into something absolutely fantastic. I agree. I think if the easiest way to try to maybe add a little bit of international flair to your cuisine is not necessarily to go and find a, a recipe or whatever, but go to the grocery store. Maybe if you have um, 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 a market in your town uh, and find some of those spices, some international spices, and add that to just maybe a, you, you know a normal chicken dish or something, and you'll get a different uh, flavor profile, and that's a, a a good way, I think, to begin to explore many uh, many of the wonderful flavors that are around the world. Absolutely. And then what you'll find, too, uh, Kevin, a lot of times with spices is that they have many health benefits as well. Very good. That's going to wrap us up for today. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. So for Deborah Hunter, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next, it's Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. We'll be back next Monday at 9 for another Deep South Dining, heard only on MPB Think Radio.